He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 71 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson. I'm joined again this week by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. How's it going? Not too bad. Anybody who wants to get in contact with us can get in contact through our Twitter handle, which is at PodcastGTS, at PodcastGTS. I'm just making sure I got it right this week. You did, you did, yeah. Um, Email us any suggestions, comments, or opinions in relation to the show. And thank you for everybody who has done so last week. A Good Talk Spoiled at gmail.com. A good talk spoiled at gmail.com. And um, you're a lot better than just all right. Come on now, let's let's be fair. You you know you didn't have golf for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden you get married and you come back. And what do you do in the first hole? You roll in a twenty five footer for birdie for a two. So you're making like thirty, but okay, it's close to thirty. Yeah, right. So yeah, no bother. Hits the green, regulation, bang, put in. And then what did you go on and do for the rest of the round? Played like, um, well, I'm going to say, a f- idiot. Because we have a pro am, we're going, yeah, beep an idiot. Like, we're going to a pro am this week, and you know, shots are kind of helpful at pro ams uh, for the team. And you lost how many shots after this round? Well, I had 42 points, I had 29 pots, and I lost 1.8 off my handicap, so I'm now down to 13, pretty much on the nose. Golf wanker. <laughs> Ter- terrible timing. Uh, we'll put the, I'll put the explicit tag on the show. Anyway, look, it was a brilliant performance. Won your division, beat everybody in the entire in the entire field. So what would have won all divisions if it was uh, an all, all no an all in one competition. Yeah, uh, it was brilliant. So keep the form going next week, and I'm going to try to find my swing somewhere between here and the west of Ireland. Yeah, Barry, how many points did you have last week? Uh, probably about half the amount you had. <laughs> wasn't quite, wasn't quite half. Uh, not 20, quite twenty four. Uh, uh, so, uh, so, yeah, listen, sure, I'm not worried. I'll get, I will. Uh, we'll, like I said, find my swing somewhere between here and the west. I think. To anyway, be, to be fair, it was a lot of very good putting. Um, put a lot of that score on the card for me. Uh, times when I was in trouble, I was holding a lot yeah, of long putts for you're pars. Good, you're good off the tee as well. So. You gave yourself plenty of chances for twos on the par threes. So it was it was it was a really good round. Let's keep it going. Let's keep rolling on to next weekend. Yeah, which is, I suppose, uh, is, is Karn. And uh, we're going to do a lot of tweeting, I think, next week. Um, yeah. And we're going to take the podcast machine down with us and try and see if mm-hmm. uh, Philip Walton's going to be down there. So we're going to see if we can get a hold of Philip and uh, Damien McGrain. So we might try and yeah. see if we can get five minutes with them as to why they play in the Pro-Ams and what they do. Oh, we'll, um, we'll, try, we'll try to get a bit, few bits and pieces from the Pro-Am. Yeah, it'll be good. And anyway, look... That's probably not the most important tournament on this week. We're obviously we're on the show here this it's week not. to talk about um, something called the US Open. Yes, and I suppose it's it's probably best to say that if you stay with us over the next five ten minutes, uh, we have Steve Bamford coming on live to talk about everything to do with the US okay. Open from GolfBettingSystem.co.uk. And apparently they've had 114 of these already. I don't know who'd have thought it like. Well, yes, that's yeah. true. Um, and I suppose that leads us very quickly to talk about last week's competitions. And there was two majors last week. First was for the ladies, the LPGA Tour, which was the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. And for once, I saw quite a bit of this. Um, I actually sat and I watched a good bit of the uh, the play on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, 
it was it was great. There was mistakes happening all over the place, but Indy Park won her third PGA Championship in a row. She won by five shots, showed it, shooting a bogey-free five under sixty-eight on the final day. She returns to world number one and uh, has now won five out of the last twelve majors, and it's her sixth overall. Yeah, it, it's just for three winning this tournament three times in a row. Like to even defend a tournament is crazy, but to win it three times in a row is. Look, oh, she's uh, she's unbelievable in these big, big events. And I read something about Lydia Ko not being unbelievable in these big, big events. And she's been a bit off the boil now since her super hot streak of uh, consecutive rounds yeah. of the par. So, uh, Inby Park, just she, she seems to be getting it done time and time again. In, in, in interestingly, um, they moved it to a par 73. One of the holes, they moved from a par 4 to a 5, which ended up becoming the easiest hole on the course mm. over the course of the week. Um I thought it was brilliant. Over the course of the, the two days that I watched, they were talking about how much money and effort the PGA of America put into this tournament, getting KPMG to sponsor. And I think that you could clearly see in terms of the coverage that Sky Sports gave to it over here in the UK and mm-hmm. Ireland. And really, hopefully, this is the start of women's golf, really getting proper sponsorship, proper events. Because I found it fascinating. Yeah, um, I, I, I tuned into a bit of it on Sunday night. I got a bit bored of the PG, the FedEx St. Jude Classic, which we'll get on to in a minute, and switched over to this for an hour just to see how it was going. And it's look, all, always enjoy watching it. You know, it's, it's more analogous to our own games. What the how the, what the women are hitting, the distances they're hitting. So it was also um, interesting because it's not just tee to green, tee to green, tee to green. There was a lot of tee to shorter the green to duck yeah. shot into the bunker, and you know, so it's, it happens. it probably makes us all feel a little bit better about our own game. Exactly. Um, the seniors tour had the Constellation Senior Players Championship in Boston and Massachusetts, and Bernard Langer uh, defended his title when he won, um, and uh, by a fairly impressive six shots. Um, he hadn't won at all this season until now, and uh, I suppose he he stepped up at the right time and uh, went on to win. And mm. um, I suppose. Really, the story outside of Bernard Langer winning was uh, Monty uh, Montgomery was taken to hospital. Uh, he went with chest pains. Um, mm-hmm. that's, uh, uh, but given the all clear, went out the next day and shot three under. Yeah, so, so you know, great for him. He's he's teeing it up this week um, at the, uh, the 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 U.S. Open. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on on Monty whether or not he might be able to add a major. Do you know what? I actually hope Monty makes the cut. Do you know why? Because we won't ha- have him in the Sky Sports studio commentating on the US Open if he does. Do you know what? I'm I'm kind of getting tired of people banging on about Monty. I actually really? don't think it's as bad as everywhere. I really? think I actually, think it, wait. it takes a while to get used to him. Um, I w- okay. I will. I will go one more. If Monty, I, I actually prefer to have Monty than Mark Rowe at the moment. Mark Rowe Precisely. is just killing. He's just. He doesn't stop banging on about and ragging on everyone, and he'll just. He'll be unmerciful on Tiger Woods. I think somebody somebody has clearly told Monty in the studio, we don't need to hear about you, but you can give your opinion as to your experiences on tour. And I actually do think he's getting better and better. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's easy to go from being a player, watching the same guys. So I'm going to stick my neck out and say, if he's there, I'll be enjoying it. Wait for my tweet over the weekend when I say, take Monty out the back and put a bullet in his head. (laughs) But the European Tour was in the uh, Leoness Open, powered by uh, Greenfinity, and this was out in Austria. And um, Barry, you had a quick look at this over the course of the weekend. Uh, Yeah, I actually got to sit down on Sunday and watch uh, pretty much all of it. And Chris Wood, from very early on, you could see he was really threatening. 
He looked the most composed out of all of them. The um, Bordy and Cabrera Bay, they started a bit... Um, shaky. Of, shaky, yeah. <laughs> kangaroo, kind of petrol. And they just, they never really got going. Cabrera Bay stumbled to a, par, a level par final round. Bordy was six over. Chris Wood was solid the whole way through. Anytime he put himself in a little bit of trouble, he got himself out really quickly and, you know, went bogey-free 500 par round, deserved winner. Um, very, he took, very he took the medicine when he needed to and, Absolutely. and he just didn't put the big numbers on the card. And very, he, he, very impressive victory altogether and he, he was visibly delighted because I'd say it's been irking at him a bit because he's been showing a lot of form but hasn't won um, for a while, so... Fair play right. to him. He's, he's, cap. He's, uh, he's in the winner's circle he's now. He's on the top 100 in the world, so he's got that top 50 in sight now, and I think he, uh, he's he got the skills to get there. Like he's, He hits the ball a long way, and he's a very talented golfer, so let's see what happens in the future for him. That's it. Well, congratulations to Chris Wood, and uh, congratulations to Fabi- Fabian Gomez, who won by four shots from Craig Owen out in the FedEx St. Jude class uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I have to admit that I spent most of my time, as I said earlier, mm. watching the LPGA. I didn't really bother too much with this tournament. Very. I did. I did flick back to this. Uh, I was back and forth between them. Um, this guy was just solid. He like obviously he was nervous. You could see he was a little bit nervous, but he was able to control it the whole way through. And he looked like the guy who'd won a dozen times on tour and was quite chilled out about it. Whereas you know the other. Obviously, Greg Owen hasn't won um, on the PGA Tour, but he was visibly a lot more shaken, and everybody, uh, I'm sure, has seen at this stage. He took it out. He went, uh, as no laying up called it under tweet, full Stenson on his three-wood and smashed it. And the commentators were saying it was quite a foolish move because it was would have been a useful club on a couple of the holes later on in the round. Anyway, Gomez, very impressive. Gets his invitation to the Masters, gets his invitation to players, a few more events this year, tour card for two years. Not to mention the over one million dollars in earnings. Bada bing, bada boom. Great weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I suppose we're going to deal with a little bit more in depth of players that were showing form in the St Jude Classic in, mm. in our conversation with Steve Bamford. So in those circumstances, I think we might just leave it there and really just get on to what everybody wants to talk about, which isn't my forty-two points at the weekend. No. But it isn't the, our uh, program. It is it's, the US, it's the US Open. Open from Chambers Bay. And uh, we have Steve Bamford joining us on the line now. So uh, welcome to Steve Bamford from GolfBettingSystem.co.uk for our what has now become a monthly major preview show. And uh, I think every time we say that you're coming on, we get a great reaction on Twitter and on the email. So uh, welcome again, Steve. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you, James? How are you, Barry? Good guy? Yeah, good, good. Uh, got married a few weeks ago, so... Uh, been been away from the golf course and golf for too long, so it's been nice to get back. You need a winner then this week, by sounds Yeah, <laughs> I do need a winner. I need and I need your advice as to who okay. to uh, who to back. It's okay, Steve. You won a voucher there last weekend. You won the golf competition on Saturday in our place. So I mean, that's definitely taking a maybe twenty euro out of the yeah. wedding the wedding bill. It's amazing how a wedding can focus the mind, John. It really is, yeah. It's also amazing how you have four hours a week of your own time that you, <laughs> you concentrate on making the most of it. Um, I can say that because I know she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can basically say anything I want. <laughs> um, so, Steve, look, I suppose let's kick it off. The US Open this week, um, Chambers Bay. This is this is a new, new course. It's uh, never hosted... I don't think it's ever hosted any tournament uh, so far, but uh, I was reading your your preview on golf betting system, 
www.ultimateinstant.co.uk and they were you were saying that you reckon that this is the hardest of the four major champions to win from a course difficulty perspective. Yeah, it's, um, it traditionally ranks as number one on the PGA Tour, so if you throw in the majors as well as that's kind of domestic tournaments, it's always ranks as, ranks as number one. It's the, most, it's the most difficult tournament from a skill perspective, and the, sc- the scoring's always the highest, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I can't really see that changing too much this week. Now, this looks like a it's almost like a fake Lynx gold course on speed this week, isn't it? It's just, it's just mammoth. Absolutely mammoth. Is that what Stenson was saying? It's like a, trick, a tricked-up uh, Lynx golf course. It's, uh, it's, like, it's unlike anything we've ever seen for a US Open. I mean, it's, it's kind of along the lines of what, what they were trying to get at with Pinehurst number 2 last year, you know quite baked, a bit more natural, kind of, you know, Pinehurst, they try to bring it back to its roots with a wasteland area and scrub along the sides. This seems to have, this course seems to have that going on as well. I mean, is this a whole new era in US Open golf? I mean, we're not seeing these, you know, ribbon-tight fairways and six-inch high rough anymore. It's, it's, a, it's almost a different style of US Open to many, many years previously. It's a lot more, it's a lot more open, isn't it, than the actual course. I think you know Mike Davis, the USGA executive director. He's uh, he obviously basically pulls the strings, doesn't he, on this tournament? And, and he also pulls he pulls the strings on exactly how he wants the course set up. And um, he said that the Chambers Bay is a you know it's totally unique. Um, it's featuring the widest fairways ever known at a US Open. But, you know, he still thinks that it's going to be just as devilish mm. as any of the previous uh, courses on the rotor. Um, it's, it's just a very, very long gold course with, with you know, some massive elevation changes. Um, all of the holes are surrounded by sand dunes, although it's all man-made. Because don't forget, this course was actually opened in 2007. If you and I wanted to play this course, and James, we could go out to Washington. It's a, it's a municipal golf course, so you know it's it's totally open to the public. And and, and it's it's new insofar as I think it was built out of a quarry, isn't that right? Yeah. It, um, so it's it's actually seems from what I've read, it's in a bowl shape, kind of cut out of the quarry, which which could play an interesting with the wind direction. They're saying saying if it gets up, it can swirl around. It might not just go in one direction, but once it gets into the bowl. Ooh it's going to end up swirling. So I suppose we'll come on to the weather and, 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 and look at that. But this is a um, this is a course that's fairly adaptable as well. They've, they've put in a number of new tee boxes into the course, which can really go from a long par 4 to a drivable par 4, depending on where they move the tee boxes. Do you think they'll they'll see how Monday, uh, Thursday, Friday go before they start kind of moving the, the scoring back to level? Or do you think they'll be the PGA will be happy enough to see a kind of a Roy McIlroy uh, kind of 16-under score. I, I don't think the USGA will ever, ever want to see a 16-under score as happened at Congressional. I think they, they found that rather embarrassing. Um, it's interesting as well, you know, we were talking about Pinehurst. I think, didn't Matt Keimer win at 7-8-under? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you know... Well, maybe the course wasn't as difficult as the US as, as they actually wanted it. But then, if, you know, there was only two other players under par, which were Fowler and Eric Compton. So it was it was definitely difficult. It's just that Keimer he gets into that kind of situation on occasion where he's just unbeatable. He's unplayable. Yeah. He was, that, 
The thing with the course this, you know, they're actually alternating the first and the 18th between par four and a par five. So they can play the first as long as a 598 par five, or if they want to play it as a par four, they'll play it at 496 yards. Now, if they go for a par four, they'll alternate the 18th, so they'll play that as a 604 yard par five, or they'll play it as a 525 yard par four. And that's one of the things I noticed, 10 of the holes, 10 of the 18 can be changed in terms of their yardage. It's the most flexible format that uh, Mike Davis has ever had to play with. Mm. On top of that, you've got 10 of the, I think it's eight of the par fours are over 480 yards. And a lot of those are up very steep inclines. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it is not an easy golf course by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion, from what I'm saying. Do you have any sort of a, an adjustment percentage in mind for – the course is obviously going to be playing very fast and firm. Would you ever kind of say in your own mind the course will be playing 8% shorter than its actual yardage because of how fast it's playing just in terms of trying to find a player who's got an average driving distance of X, Y, or Z? Would that be something that come into your consideration or – well, from my research and from what I've read around it, this chamber's play, but you can actually cut to 7,906 yards as a par 71. But the USGA said, no, we want it as a 70. So they can effectively play it, and this is my, these are my calculations, gave them the, the website from the US site, you know, the US own website. They can play it as short as a 7,492, or they can play it as long as a 7,804 yards, and it, obviously over across a pole 70. Now that's, that's an incredible difference in yardages. Um, can, can you tell, I, it's a difficult, you know, we're, we're shooting in the we're shooting in the dark really, aren't we, in terms of percentages or whatever. However, if, if you look at the forecast, um, it's going to, this is, it's, you know, James said it was in a quarry, it's, a, it's an old quarry, um, it's built on sand, a, tr- a trend, um, uh, Jones Jr. designers basically said that the course dries as quickly as you like anyway, even if it did rain. It's not going to rain. And they reckon that of the, of the four days, it's Friday where the winds are going to be slightly higher than the other three days. But then you're looking at around about 10 to 15 mile an hour breezes. So it isn't going to be a gusty US Open. But, you know, It'll be interesting to see what happens to the course on Friday. You would expect them to shorten the course with wind. But then, you know, it all comes down to whether it's a prevailing wind, mm. it's swirling. Like, you know, there's a lot of different vagaries in there. In, in terms of you, you're saying that, um, you know, it's going to be long and, and, and just quite how long, we're not sure. But is, is that kind of narrowing the field substantially down to the guys who we need to be looking at? Who are long off the tee, you know, and and taking out of that, you know, really the, the guys who are are just too short for a course at that length. Okay. It's an interesting one, isn't it? A course of this length, I always think the short hitters are up against it because if they make a mistake off the tee, or if they find a lead, a lie they're not happy with, or they you know they find a, a sand hazard or a bunker. And they're playing a 480-yard, 525-yard par four. They're effectively bogeying off the tee, aren't they? Because they're just not. You're not. You're, they're just not going to get to the green in two. They're, they're struggling for par, and that's what the shorter hitters are up against. Yeah. If, if you do make mistakes as a short hitter on a golf course that's so long as this, 
you're really struggling for pars, and it doesn't take many bogeys in a US Open for you to be behind the eight ball. That's my opinion. Can a short hitter win it? Well, potentially, yes, but of my four tips, the shortest hitter I've got for averages around about 290 off the tee. The other three are big, long hitters, and that's, that's the angle I'm taking. But it isn't just purely about distance, it's about players that are accurate with their approach play, yeah? Um, I don't think accuracy off the tee is going to be a huge issue this uh, this this week on the basis that, you know, they played the US Amateur in 2010, was it? I think it was 2010. Yeah, yeah. Peter Uline won that, and we know Peter, you know, Peter and driving accuracy is a phrase that you don't link together. And I know that Patrick Reed did well that particular week, and I don't see accuracy being a, a feature this week, but approach play accuracy is a second shot golf course but you've got to have razor sharp scrambling skills sand saves and you've obviously the putting's got to be on the mark because this the complexes here are very very um, most of them have got some big contours in them they reckon the fairways are very very uneven so you're going to get a lot of uneven lies a lot of players don't like that you've got a hell of a lot of elevation changes both up and down um, it's kind of comparable with Kapalu, you know what they play mm-hmm. in the, the, the Hyundai Tournament of Champions? That, to me, is actually a decent link into this. I know that they're shooting 20 under to win that, but it's by the sea. You know, there's some wind involved and there's a hell of a lot of elevation changes. Um, but on top of that, uh, they reckon 12 of the 18 great green complexes have actually got these, what they classify as flat, uh, blackboards or backboards, yeah? So if you can hit them, they're actually taking the ball into the middle of the green, closer to the pin positions. So I've read interviews already that say, well, you don't actually aim at the green. What you're aiming at is a part of the green that's going to actually you know, throw your ball towards the pin location. Mm-hmm. So it's a really strategic, creative golf course. I, I think you're, gonna, you're looking for players that have got a razor-sharp short game along off the tee and can play in firm, fast conditions, but they've got that kind of... Um, you need two elements to it. They've got to have creativity, but they've also got to have that diligence where they can grind out par after par after par, and it isn't, you know, it isn't grinding them down, if you see what I mean. It, a lot of players, can, they only like attacking golf. Around here, it's going to be a case of, you know, as for every US Open, you've got to be patient for long lengths of time because par is a bloody good score on a lot of these holes. So basically, we need to build one of these perfect golfers within, like the Rory McIlroy uh, PJ Tour golf. You know, you build add, add on all the attributes. It seems like everything is required this week. And on the face of it, from you know the way Mike Davis has set it up, he really is looking to challenge every aspect of your game to find the best champion. In terms of so, if they're the attributes, and I think we're probably fair in saying yeah. that you need to be good off the tee, you probably need length. You definitely need to be good with the GIRs. You need to be good with the irons in the hand. Scrambling, putting. So they're, they're the attributes. In terms of the, the, the bits that we can look at for play, players coming in, how much importance are you putting on form coming into this US Open? Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, to be fair, and I, you know, this, is, this is something that um, is in, in our US Open preview um, document that we've had out in the internet for six, eight weeks, we put it out there quite early. Form for the US Open is absolutely key. If you're not playing good golf, you're not going to turn up at the US Open yeah, and win it. 
you, you go back to Lucas Glover, for example. Yeah, he was, I think he was two twenty-five to one with a couple of bookmakers. Glover had actually finished second uh, at Quail Hollow a couple of months beforehand. So even someone as wide left field as Lucas Glover showed. Because don't forget, Quail Hollow was it in seven thousand six hundred yards, mm-hmm. something like that, seven thousand five. They went to Beth Page, another long classical golf course. It kind of tied up. Um, uh, Matt McDowell came to, he went to Pebble Beach off the back of a win at Celtic Manor. Um, and then you're looking at players of the ilk of um, Webb Simpson. He had a, 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 a number of top tens. I think it was five. Uh, it was four top tens before he won the US Open at Olympic. At Olympic, uh, the course of San Francisco there. Uh, five top tens for um, Justin Rose. I just don't think you turn up here. For me, uh, I know this. I'm sure that now that I've mentioned this, you'll probably go on and win it. But someone like Adam Scott, you know, who, if he, if Adam Scott was in the best of form, this course would be really great for him. But he hasn't been in the best of nick yet. Mm. Uh, I know he's got Steve Williams back on the bag. He's struggling with his putting, but you don't really see this being a huge putting contest. But someone of that ilk that's been struggling over the last few months, it's it's a difficult it's difficult for me to see him finding his form all of a sudden winning this golf tournament. I think it needs someone there with a quite a strong level of form coming into it, immediate form. I'm confident in taking on such like the ultimate test uh, as as it appears it's going to be starting on Thursday morning. Well, if we look, I suppose the best thing then is to look at the, 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 the betting at the moment and, and as we usually use Paddy Power so there might be better odds and, and, and uh, out there and Steve you'll be able to give us a, a rundown of what specials are available through gotbettingsystem.co.uk in a minute but we have Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth at 8-1 to one, Phil Mickelson 16-1 to one, Ricky Fowler 18-1 to one, Justin Rose 18-1 to one, Dustin Johnson 18-1 to one, Henrik Stenson 25-1 to one. Bubba is twenty-eight to one. Jason Day twenty-eight to one. Adam Scott thirty-three to one, and then Jimmy Walker and uh, Matsuyama and Garcia at thirty-five to one, and then Furyk and Keimer at forty to one. Just just stopping at the at those uh, at the moment. And um, world number one Rory McIlroy, and um, he's had I think seven starts, two wins, num- uh, seven starts, yeah, two, yeah, and a couple of weekends couple off of weeks lately. Off. World number one, is he the one to beat this week, Steve? Uh, it's difficult it, It's difficult to, to put down uh, Rory's chances, but for me, I, I don't see... He, he, when he won a congressional, he shot 16 under you. Um, if you. If you look at leaderboards, leaderboards where winning score is, say, 5 under, 4 under, working backwards, yeah? You don't see Rory McIlroy on many of those leaderboards. For me, it's too technical for him. He, he likes a golf course where you can make birdies. He likes a receptive golf course where you know he, he can hit targets, high GIR, and he gets the job done. And you know he does it. He does it brilliantly, doesn't he? For me, I think Chambers Bay will be too firm and fast for him, and I just don't think the the high scoring suits his nature. So I would oppose Rory McIlroy this week. Okay, so Rory's out of it. Jordan's feet. Eight, <laughs> I eight, love eight it. To one. Just a big, massive black sharpie <laughs> straight through his name. Done. But Jordan's feet, right? You're talking form coming into this. He's yeah. played 16, nine top tens, two wins. You know, he's, in terms of strokes gained, tee to green, he's third. 
he's got to be somebody who at eight to one must be pretty much the the the, the true favourite going into this tournament. And he has his caddy with a load of experience um, on this golf course as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just up the road, isn't he? Yeah. If I, if you were asking me to select one of the top two, I'd go for speed one hundred percent. Well, I was asking you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Unanswered. I'd like go for speed over McElroy this week. But in terms of over the field, he comes up. He comes out statistically quite high in, our, in this week's. You know, we have our predictor model. Yes. Uh, that we basically throw a load of statistics at that, that come out with uh, a short list of winners. Uh, speed. Yeah, he's quite high on that. He's actually, um, I think he's in the, let me just check while I'm, I'm looking here. He's setting a third, but I've got two above him. Go on, name, name, name and shame them. Am I saying speed over the field or am I saying the field over speed? I'm saying the field over speed, really. And I haven't, I personally, I haven't tipped it. But if you were, if you were, if you were a kind of guy that likes to follow favourites and you're, you're thinking, well, is it Rory? Is it Jordan? For me, I think you're going to get far better value and run for your money out of Jordan's feet this week. Well, one that you have tipped, and I suppose the, the third place um, player there is, is, is Big Phil. Um, is he not over the hill at this stage? Phil's not going to win this week, is he? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... Up until last year, the Open Championship, if you looked at the average age of the winners of the Open Championship, a Lynx-style golf course, the ultimate Lynx golf test, we had Ernie Els, we had Phil Mickelson, uh, Stuart Sink, I think, was in his late 30s. There was a lot of experience there, a lot of guys with plenty of miles under, under, the, un, under the, uh, the bonnet actually won the Open Championship. And if you think about it, for me, patience... Um, a level of accuracy, some creativity. This kind of uh, test, for me, actually can favour the older players. But as we know, and as we've discussed, for me, they've got to be—they've uh, still got to follow the same attributes. So they've got to be long off the tee. And you know, with Lefty, there's absolutely—it's interesting because Lefty's actually added a five yards year on year to his driving distance. distance. In which direction? Uh, <laughs> not at all. No, he's, so, he's in good shape this year. Like, he's lost a bunch of weight, and it, especially, I mean, the final round last week was very, very nice. You know, that'll put him in good confidence uh, frame of mind coming into this week. It's the one he wants. Mm, oh, the gosh, most. yeah. Is that going to add a level of pressure, Barry, to this uh, to this for Phil? No, but because he's managed to get uh, second place six times, so he obviously knows how to. Close enough to knows how to deal with that situation. Like he's been there before, so I think if he gets in the hunt, I don't think, I don't think it's gonna. He's gonna capitulate. You know, it's. Yeah. If Phil gets in the hunt, he won't fall away from close to the lead. He, yeah. won't, he won't just fall away. If Phil's in the hunt after a couple of rounds, he's staying there for the long haul. Mm. Whether he wins, twenty-four. Is it twenty-two attempts? But, uh, yeah, twenty-two attempts, six runners up. Is it something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it would be the fair. It would be the fairy tale. That I think. I think. He's a decent each weight punt at 16s to one. Well, he's a decent each weight punt. Yeah, I, I, I take him over Rory or Speed. You know, if you're looking for one player this week, and that's 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 who you're going after. If you think about it, he was. I think he was 25 to one or 28 to one before Sunday. Mm. That was eaten away straight away. Uh, when the, the 
came out yesterday morning, Monday morning. He was twenty. Has been, he, he was just about twenty twos, twenties. He's just you know sixteens now. I managed to get him out at eighteens at about four thirty this afternoon with mm. one bookmaker. That's gone. He is just the, he's the big big punt this week. He's lefty. There's yeah. a lot of money going on Phil Mickelson. I think one. the bookies will be petrified of him. They always are. <laughs> Well, I think, uh, you know, as you say last week, his, his wedge play was so good. It's clearly going to be something that's absolutely imperative this week, where, as you say, guys might be looking at kind of, you know, a par being, a, you know, par fours, long, long par fours, that a, a par is going to be as good as a birdie for some of these players. And for Phil to be able to get up and down and scramble yeah. those pars might be uh, might be absolutely and imperative. The thing is, m- most of these players can have the imagination to, to see the shots they need to play, but not all of them have that skill set and confidence to be able to pull off those shots off viciously tight lies and super deep bunkers. You know, Phil just has it. And, um, I, I, for one, I, I, as just a spectator, forget the betting side of things, I'd love to see him up there because I do think it makes the US Open that a little bit more exciting and edgy going, you know, going down the stretch on Sunday to have Phil in the hunt. I mean, it's just so popular and the crowd gets kind of supercharged with energy as well when he's there. So he's also a nice guy and I think nobody would uh, take it away from him to, to get it. So like, you know, I think probably we're all secretly, whatever way we bet this week, we'd probably be happy if we lose it to a Phil Mickelson win. Um, outside of that and um, Barry I suppose everybody in this podcast knows how much you love Henrik Stenson both on and off the, uh, the golf course mm. he's uh, 25 to 1 are you loading up again or were your fingers burnt so badly at Augusta the, my wallet was burnt badly at Augusta do you know what I actually I'm wary about backing Stenson in this because I do think going into such an un- unknown quantity as this golf course, none of them have played it in, in under US Open conditions before or even tournament conditions or the way the course currently is. He doesn't have that good a form this year. He's shown glimpses of it, but I just don't think he's firing on all cylinders enough to actually put himself... I mean, he might get himself a top 20. I don't think he's going to win it. So I'm ac- I'm actually going to swerve it, and if he wins, then look great. I think he's very short at twenty five to one for the form he's shown. I think the bookie, well, that's on Paddy Power. I might be able to get him better somewhere else, but I'm going to be staying away from him this week. I think. Let's look at um, Steve. Do you agree? Do, what do you do? You think are you somewhere along the same train of thought on that or? Stenson's one of these golfers who telegraphs his wins. He's a bit like a Matt Kuchar. He, he has to build up to a victory, and he hasn't been shown nearly enough. Um, and you know, this this is one of the most this is one of the most quoted um, uh, statements, isn't it, from Mike Davis? I would, and this is what he said at his press conference a couple of months ago. I would contend that there is no way, no way, a player would have success here at Chambers Bay unless he really studied the golf course and learned it. Yeah. And I saw a tweet from, uh, I think it was from Henrik on Friday. He was on his speedboat going across to Denmark. So I don't think he's been out there doing much course prep, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Maybe he's been playing it on the PlayStation. So somebody, I suppose, who, who's been showing a lot of form, and I suppose he's a controversial love him or hate him kind of player, is Dustin Johnson. And is he the kind of player that this week is just being set up for him to go and win? Um, I'm not concerned about his WD last uh, week because he was really poorly, wasn't he? And um, 
he slashed him around for five or six. Was it for nine holes and decided that um, that he, he was feeling poorly? He had to apologise. Why he actually put that in his schedule is, is it, it's it's a bit strange. Sometimes you look at players' schedules. I know he's a previous champion there, but it was clear that you know he he wasn't going to get much from that appearance in Memphis. Um, I'm not worried about that. Um, I remember Bubba Watson last year. He WD'd at Bay Hill, didn't he? And then, he, and then on his next appearance, he won the Masters. So, you know, this kind of thing goes on. It's going on more and more in golf betting now. I actually think it's bought him. I think he's done two things, actually, that, that I like. Second and thirdly, he got into the course on... I think he got there on Sunday. Mm. Uh, so he actually got an extra sort of 24 hours of practice there. Um, the other thing is, he's added six points to his price, because he's 22 to 1 now, where 20, he's available at 22 to 1 at, at different bookmakers. But um, I actually really like him this week. I know that there are people out there that think Dustin Johnson melts under pressure, he'll never win a major, he hasn't got the, he hasn't got the strength of character. You know, there was Pebble Beach in 2010, there was Whistling Straits. Um, Sandwich 2011 when he was he was it was head to head with him and Darren Clark and Phil Mickelson, but you know you don't win two World Golf Championships if, if you can't handle intense pressure. He's been playing well. He looks a lot more focused. Um, I noticed that he was second in the all round category as close to go as TPC four seasons. He was lead wasn't he second after 54 holes and then he went backwards on the final mm. final round. I just think that. If you're looking for a golf course where length is an advantage, if you're looking for a golfer that can clearly play his very best golf on links, coastal courses, a guy that's creative around greens, is putting well at the moment, there are a lot worse bets out there than Dustin Johnson this week. I think he's got a massive chance. Barry, one of the one of the players that was um, was mentioned earlier by Steve was uh, Adam Scott is he a kind of a player that, that you would be interested in this week not in the slightest bit no I, I just think his form is far too poor and yeah, he, he just he just seems a little bit all over the place and I don't think bringing back Steve Williams is all gonna, all of a sudden going to switch the flick the magic switch or Scott's game um, I think I, I think he will actually remain winless this for the rest of this year until the putting uh, the putter ban switch comes in at the end at the 1st of January next year his head just seems the most scrambled out of all the guys who use the anchored putter so uh, I'd be dodging Scott all year long a, a player that I'm not going to dodge and I, I want to hear Steve Steve's opinion on this is uh, Matsuyama we're talking about a guy who's coming in second in form 16 tournaments 8 top 10s Strokes gain, tee to green, he's number two. He's 45th in driving accuracy, tied ninth in GIRs. Um, is he one who, again, and I suppose I, I kind of repeat myself, is he somebody that really has a chance of breaking through and claiming the first first major of his career this week at Chambers Bay? It's funny, he was actually, he, when he visited Chambers Bay as early as February, because he's, he's kind of Los Angeles based when he's over in the States. So he went up there in uh, February and played around. And his comment was, it's a very, very tough golf course. Um, Skills-wise, yes. The, the leaderboard that a lot of people, including myself, are referring back to was Muirfield a few years ago when um, that was far, firm, sorry, extremely fast. It was scorched. And as we know, Lefty came uh, with a fantastic finish to take that title. Matsuyama was sick that week 
So I, I think Matsuama, he came close to my tips. He's, he's got a very, very good shout this week, Matsuama, in my opinion. There's an interesting couple of uh, interesting one at the top of your predictor model, and we haven't spoken about him yet, but he's available at quite generous prices. He's won earlier on this year, and it's Brant Snedeker. Yeah. Um, can you how how did Brant get to the top of your predictor model? I see you've quite a lot of recent form in there. Huts per round comes in a little bit as well, as does scrambling. I mean, literally a lot of overall, you know high attributes in game and yeah he seems to be sneaking under the radar you wouldn't link Snedeker as long the other thing I think we do need to bear in mind this week is we're going to have very firm very fast conditions yeah so even the shortest hitters I've read are going to get between 30 to 40 yards of run on the fairways so you know if you're if you're you can't rule out the short you can't rule out um the shortest hitters, I suppose, around here. But I, I genuinely think that length is an advantage. But if you're looking for a guy that plays very good on firm, fast greens, he's fantastic around the, the green complexes. So he's scrambling. He's scrambling from above 30 yards, which, again, I think that's going to be a key stat this week. Um, the other thing with Seneca is, he's actually, if you look at his GIR from over 200 yards, he's in the top 75 or two, top 70, I think. So he's no mug with a hybrid in his hands. He's sneaky long, actually, because I've noticed recently, he bangs it out there 290 on average. But if you look at some of his longest drives, he can bang it 310, 315, when he really winds up and goes for it. But I think the thing, the, the predictor model, if you look at what, where I was heading, I threw in there stuff like uh, coastal performances, west coast performances, uh, part four and part five for obvious reasons, a bit of recent form, long driving distance, and yet, lo and behold, Snedeker's top of the tree, number one, and Dustin Johnson number two, with Jordan Spieth in third place. So Snedeker, you think about it, and he does. Torrey Pines has won that, which is 7,600 yards. He's won twice at Pebble Bay. Uh, so all West Coast, by the yeah, West Coast, literally on uh, you know coastal golf courses, mm. links, golf courses. I know they're American links, slightly different. He's finished third in an Open Championship. He loves tough golf courses. He's won at uh, uh, East Lake as a need to win the FedEx Cup in the past. He, you read any interview with him, he'd much rather play a technical golf course um, than he would a, a, a 22 under type golf course. I just think Snedek is a really uh, a, a very underrated price this week. Forty-five to one available uh, if you want him six places each way. Mm-hmm. Colin have got fifty to one. They're the only bookmaker left at fifty to one, five places each way. Stenick has got another a player uh, with a big, big chance in my opinion. And the other thing I think is a benefit to him. There's a lot of uh, Jack Nicholas has been quoted this week saying, uh, or sorry, has been quoted before saying. He loved hearing players complain about the course they were going to play. And Snedeker doesn't seem like... The big, well, sorry, for the reason that he said, if somebody's complaining about the course, I can write them off as an opponent for the week. They're gone. They're not going to win. Snedeker doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to moan about the course. He's going to embrace the challenge. He's kind of ha- a little bit happy-go-lucky, but he'll just, get, he'll just get on with it, and he won't be one of the guys giving out about it. He turned up. Uh, he, turned out, he turned up in Seattle... Uh, on Thursday so he's been there on the course since Friday mm. diligently doing his homework 
So I, I think Snedeker's got a massive chance this week. And like you say, Barry, he isn't complaining. He's actually going to thrive on this kind of goal court. Mm. Somebody who has complained and, and we've always questioned his uh, his mental capacity to win a major is Sergio. Are, are we writing just writing him off at this stage and just putting him into the bracket of not not this week? Yeah, his, his US Open record in recent years isn't that outstanding, is it? Um, he can play well out west. I know that his record at Riviera down in Los Angeles there is very good. And if you look at that tournament in February, that was firm and fast as you like. It was incredibly firm and fast. And Garcia should have arguably won that, shouldn't he? Wasn't he leading with two holes to go? Yeah. So he could handle the conditions, but... And, and if you look at his skill stats, you know, he's got a great game for, for Chambers Bay. It's just, you just wonder sometimes, that, that, that TPC sawgrass capitulation again, that, 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 that must hit, that must hurt him for a, a number of weeks. And he hasn't played a lot of golf of late. He hasn't played a lot of golf, has he? So, from, I think you've got to come here having played some recent golf and played it quite well. I, I just don't see Sergio having made enough recent appearances to, to really go for it this week. And that is another concern that I've got for a guy that's, again, popular this week, Bubba Watson. If you look at Bubba, Bubba has only played... He played at TPC Sawgrass at the Players' Championship. He played at Augusta, and those are his only appearances for two months. So, you know, I know that he's been out there practicing a hell of a lot. He was out there very, very early like Snedeker. He's out there probably before Snedeker. But not to have that level of competition for so many weeks prior to a US Open, to me, that's a, that's a negative for Bubba. Well, can I... Talking about somebody in form um, and, and somebody who wants to win a major, and that's Colin Montgomery. He's taking it up this week. <laughs> It, it, it's my attempt to move to the long shots for this week, and, and who down the field, I, I think it's probably fair to say we're not talking about Colin being somebody that, that's going to win this week, but in terms of the long shots, who this is a tournament, as you say, that, that has in the past shown up a, a player in the, the 2, 3, 400 to 1 mark. There's always a fairy tale story, I mean, with, with so many different ways to qualify, and 10,000 people trying to qualify for this, a few get through, and there are those kind of beautiful column filling stories so have you have you got any ones in mind or that might give somebody a bit of excitement for their one euro each way maybe a three or four hundred to one shot or just just for listeners if you go back to 2010 i'll just you know you had greg you remember gregory Havering, 500 to one finish yep. behind the 2011 Gar- robert garrigus was 300 to one kevin chapel were 500 to one they both finished third i mean these are juicy prices aren't they uh when Webb Simpson won at Olympic Fields, Michael Thompson finished second, 500 to 1. John, remember John Peterson? 1,000 to 1, John Peterson, that way. Eric Compton again last week, 400 to 1, Eric Compton finished second. It happens, doesn't it? It happens. It seems to happen every single year. And Lucas Buckle was 225 to 1 when he won in 2009. Mm. So, yeah. It's, yeah, there's a lot of big prices out there, and, and some of them are going to get um, are, are going to get close to the prize. For me personally, um, I think Jeff Ogilvy at 
Um, I think Kevin Kisner, who's triple digits, he's been playing some phenomenal golf, Kevin Kisner. I think he'll go well again this week. You remember Brendan Todd last year? Uh, he was right in the mix, wasn't he, Todd? You always get a player like Todd or Billy Horshaw that come into the tournament. They're kind of under the radar. They're, they're not a big name as such. But they've been playing well. They, they hit the US Open and they just continue to play well. I think that could be Kevin Kisner this That's week. Billy Horschel is actually one of my picks. I think he's pretty much my top pick for this week. He's shown a bit of form, and he seems, he seems like the kind of happy-go-lucky guy, and that will embrace the challenge. Yeah, he'll have he'll get a bit annoyed at times, but he seems to kind of love being really um, attacked by the golf course, you know, by a difficult golf course. Yeah, yeah. He did. He, he was uh, top five, wasn't he, at uh, Marriott a couple of years ago with Rosewell? Mm-hmm. So he's got a bit of US Open pedigree. I can see that. Paul Williams, my partner in crime, um, he always looks at long shots when uh, at three of the four majors. He, he does the Open Championship, ain't if I do the long shots there. But if it's American-based, he does the long shots. He's going for Leishman this week, 100 to 1. And he also fancies Brandon Grace. So I know there's been a lot of money on Brandon Grace. And in terms of, uh, and I suppose there's, there's, there's good value out there, six places, so... Kind of having a few of these in your in your stable is is worth it. Where you're looking at the each way bet players that might not necessarily be getting over the line for the victory, but will be hanging around the the top ten and and make you a few pound that way. And um, in terms of uh, through through golfbettingsystem.co.uk, is is there any any good value out there that uh, people who have listened and and maybe haven't you know gotten into betting before? You know, can go to your website and find find ways of of getting a bit of extra value in the market. Well, what we found this year is compared to twelve months ago, um, virtually all of the bookmakers, apart from Boyle Sports, have gone six places each way. So even though Coral, the show, you Coral are standard five, you can actually get a six places each way with Coral if you wish. So they've all gone for the additional places. Um, the, 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 the promotions, though, that seem to be catching hold and are very popular at the moment are these Trevelots um, uh, promotions. So uh, we're offering with Betway, uh, golf betting system exclusive if you sign up by golf betting. These are all for new customers only. Yeah? They're offering Trevelots across the field. Um, they're also paying out in, in cash, withdrawable cash. Uh, that's something that some bookmakers don't do. They'll pay you with free bets uh, over and above the price. So you can see what I mean in terms of mm. bonus. Um, Betway, so that's, that's a golf bank system exclusive, only available via our website. Uh, you can put down £10, €10. Euro. Uh, your first bet, you can have treble the odds on anybody in the field. And 888, uh, also you can have £10 head a win, or you can have a £5 each way bet. So each way is available on that. Uh, 888 Sport are also offering treble odds, uh, but you can only have win only with treble uh, with 888 Sport, or you can have a place bet, you can't have each way. So those, those are two very good promotions. So mm. if you fancy short price, so if you do fancy Rory, Jordan Speed, if you fancy Phil Mickelson at 16 to 1, uh, if you fancy Justin Rose, another very, very, very popular player this week at 18. He becomes 54s then all of a sudden. All, all of a sudden you're looking at 54s. Your mass is far quicker and better than mine. <laughs> Justin Johnson and uh, Ricky Fowler, they're both sub-22s. Yeah. You get a very nice price point there. So that's 888 Sport or Betway. Uh, Paddy Power are doing the same treble odds uh, deal. But the thing with Paddy Power is 
they'll um, if you they'll only pay you in three bets the difference between the sta their standard price and the price that they're they're giving you. They're also um, giving away. Um, I think um, it's there's just stuff all across the market and the, these are all on the website then little details of these deals on golfbettingsystem.co.uk absolutely we've, we've got a rundown of all, of all the promotions this uh, for this 2015 and US Open and the, the usual golf betting system Facebook page competition that weekly one is still up is there a majors one again this week or am I jumping the gun no, the majors is obviously we we set the major competition off before the the first tee off, but um, oh, the masters, yeah. So you you you've had to have your entry. We are running the usual uh, punters league, so give us your three players this week on our Facebook group. Yeah, and, uh, there's always five pound paddy power free bet off the ground. Yeah, which is nice. Well, I suppose that probably links very nicely into what are the players, Barry, that you are going with. My bets, okay, if I have to narrow it down to three, which it will not be at the end, I will add plenty to my stable, um, I, I, I <laughs> which is a terrible idea, but I will have a couple of long ones. Billy Horschel's my main, my main man. I am also gonna add in Louis Oosthuizen and I think Brandon Grace as well. He, he's been on my short list for uh, a few weeks. Um, maybe Alexander Levy was one of the long ones I was thinking about adding. He's a 250 to one. Um, so uh, if I come up with any more, I'll throw them out on the Twitter account, well, that's, uh, and that's, I'll, ba I'll back up my reasons. And a few, a few that just a few close misses were Gary Woodland, Bill Haas, um, Kevin Na was interesting, but I was reading that he was playing with Jason Day the other day, and Jason Day hit driver and short iron into a hole, and Na hit driver three wood. The reason was Day was able to fly the ball beyond the bunker, catch a down slope. And his drive went about 685 yards, whereas Nad, Nad had to dodge the bunker to one of the sides of the bunker and was still the long way back, didn't catch that down slope. So while he is playing really, really well, does actually come out in the predictor model in a respectable ninth spot. He he might I don't know he might interest me for a top ten bet. I think the win might be just a bit beyond him. He seems a little bit frail when uh, coming down the stretch in tournaments and under the pressure of a US Open, you know, the biggest major for him anyway, um, I think he might it might just be a bit too much for him. So when I asked you for your top three, I wanted to give my misses as well and the reasons why. So anyway, that's, that's, where, that's where I'm at. Um, I will have about 15 golfers in my book by the end of the Wednesday night. Well, you could just get everybody and you'll eventually find a winner. Oh, yeah. uh, Steve... Name and shame, who are you going with? Your top three. I'll give you four. <laughs> well, have four then. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going for the Butch Harmon stable this, this week. I'll give you the Paddy Power prices. So, Phil Mickelson at 16. Dustin Johnson at 18 with Paddy Power. I'm also going for Jimmy Walker, who's uh, 35 to 1 with Paddy Power. And I'm going, of course, with Brant Schnedeker, who is 45 to 1 with Paddy Power. So, mm. is Butch Harmon or Bust? Do you think the uh, Butch Harmon stable will be a little bit more pumped up after seeing Suzanne Pedersen win there a couple of weeks ago um, after only hooking up with Butch very recently? On the golf course. On the golf Ah, listen, wherever they did it, I don't mind, you know. Um, but do you think that gives them a little bit of confidence, like seeing one of... Yeah, they're on a roll in 2015, aren't they? 
Ricky. They're, they're hungry for major championships because mm. that's at the moment what they're missing out on. You know, we had Ricky Fowler last year getting so close but didn't quite get over the line. So, it's, it's interesting with Jimmy Walker. Supposedly there's a $1,200 bottle of wine sitting in Butch's wine cellar that he's just keeping for when Jimmy wins his first major. Yeah. So, uh, he holds Jimmy Walker in very high regard. And um, as you know, you guys know, again, if you look at West Coast performances over the last three to four years, yeah. Jimmy Walker is outstanding. He's the best. Long off the tee. He's got a great all-round game. Fantastic putter. I just, I, I just think Jimmy Walker's got a fantastic chance this week. And... He isn't being, uh, he hasn't been laid or uh, put in the same group as Tiger Woods this week. Which oh, I thought we'd get through the whole pro- program <laughs> without talking about Tiger Woods. No, going out in Tiger's group is a big no-no at the moment. I... I, I'm going with my three um, is going to be Matsuyama. I'm going to take a punt on Jim Furyk um, because I just think he's he's a, he's a player in form and I, I just think he might kind of knock it around over the course of the week. Um, and I also had Brand Snedeker in my group, but that now just looks like I'm just copying you, unfortunately. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Um, like, we're allowed to do that. But I, I, I would definitely be putting uh, quite a bit down on Matsuyama. I just think that he at 35-1 to 1 is, for me, the player that, that could just, at that kind of price, go out. Uh, the only other person that I had looked at was Russell Knox. But, uh, you he love just, Russell. He Knox. just lets me down every week. <laughs> this, this is like my love affair with Stenson, as James is with Knox. Well, he just—he's he, always there, or thereabouts, and he's got to walk through the door at some point. And you know what? I, I don't know what he is this week in terms of the value, but uh, whatever it is, I just would be killing myself if I didn't put him in. Um, but in in any event, I, I don't—I don't think he's in the tournament. Is he not? Do you, do you, I was going to say, do you want me to really shoot you down here? You're actually glad. Oh right. Well, no, we're, we're gonna we're gonna just cut this bit out of the podcast. No, 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 no. no. There's, there's enough times that my boo boo stay in. So. <clears throat> well, that's all right. Well, uh, yeah. I had driving accuracy in GIRs is the reason, but uh, if he's not teeing it up, it's going to be hard to win. I do, do you know who was actually? What I'll jump on board with this. Who was on my shortlist for a long time was Graham Gillette for the for this tournament, but he didn't make it into it. I, I thought he would have done quite well at this course, but uh, he's not there, so uh, I can't bet on him. <laughs> well, I can bet on him. They'll take my money, but I won't get anything back. <laughs> so, um, this this is just such a fascinating week, and everybody has an opinion on what's going to work, what's going to work, what's going to win. I think it's all down to the real star of the show, or what I hope to be the star of the show this week, which is Chambers Bay. So, I mean, this is two years in a row now the US Open has gone into the style of golf that I love to see, like those firm, fast courses, lots of imagination not having to hack out sideways from a ridiculously heavy you know, rough uh, lie in the rough like you actually have a chance to get the ball up near the green and they're going to have to show lots of imagination and uh, patience and par as a target so I'm, I'm going to be in my element this week uh, and we have our pro-am to go to as well so it's just it's golfing nirvana for us this week well look I, I suppose that just leaves myself and Barry on behalf of all the listeners, I know everybody thoroughly enjoys this week when, Steve, you're on and giving your knowledge and, and such an in-depth knowledge that, that goes way beyond uh, myself and Barry's at times. Um, golfbettingsystem.co.uk, 
get onto it if you're not on it. It's 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 a resource that anybody who's interested in golf, even if you're not betting, mm. it's just a really good preview of what's coming up each week. And definitely check out the Facebook page because there's just great threads and banter between all the, the the big group of people and very enthusiastic punters on that pa- on that page. We got two and a half thousand over there. I've got I've got some breaking news for you guys. Actually. Ooh, ooh. Russell Nuts is playing this week. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's even better than that. I've got some breaking news. Ian Poulter's on the golf course. <gasps> Ian Poulter has finally arrived at Chambers Bay. Just today? Just today. Ah, oh, stop. Okay, well... Woven on Sunday night at his house. He's finally arrived. If you want a, an interesting kind of side bet, 7-4 to four to miss the cut. Oh, all over that. Uh, Seventy-one to win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the seven to wo- seven to four is better value. He, I mean, and he's been trying to be restrained on Twitter and all this stuff, but you know, he's just ready to unload on the golf course. <laughs> it, 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 Twitter will blow up when when Polter misses the cut. Polter doesn't fancy it this week. I really do. <laughs> he's finally arrived on the golf course. <laughs> awesome. Right, Steve. Till this time next month. Uh, have a great time. Thanks a million for your input, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next month in relation to the the open. Again, thanks a million to Steve Bamford. Um, I just want to say thank you to Barry for all your input this week. As always, thank you to the listeners for listening. Um, the Twitter handle is at podcastgts, and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail Keep in contact with us over the Twitter at this weekend, both from our pro-am, and I suppose we're going to be doing a lot of tweeting about what's going on in the US. As long as my battery survives in the low signal areas down in Carn. Yeah, and thanks to Will for actually being busy and golfing this evening, because otherwise this show would have gone for two hours. So uh, That's two weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so look, um, again, just thanks a million to Steve Bamford, um, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Get on that. There's some great value out there in the market for the US Open. Thank you, Barry. Uh, Thank you to the listeners. And uh, have a fantastic weekend with the golf. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk to all of you guys this time next week. Bye-bye, Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.